Welcome to the Money Tree Real Estate Investor Podcast, where we learn from real estate professionals across the industry. They will share about how they got into real estate, the big wins they have celebrated, the mistakes they have made along the way, and the advice they have for anyone following in their footsteps. Money really does grow on trees. Everybody, it's William Holland here for another episode of the Money Tree Real Estate Investor Podcast. I've got an awesome guest today, Dave Zook. He's been very successful in real estate, and we're super ha- uh, grateful just to have him today. Dave, uh, thanks for being on. William, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Yes, sir. So I, I know you're up in the the Northeast Pennsylvania area. Um, what do you like to do up there? You know, I love pretty much doing anything outdoors. Uh, I love getting out there in my bare feet and, uh, you know, I, I just, I, I like flying. I like, uh, um, hunting. I like biking. I, you know, I just like, I, I love being in the outdoors. Same. Yeah. I got to go to Pennsylvania a couple different times and ended up hiking at a state park up there. I think it's called Salt Creek State Park. Oh yeah. I heard of it had several beautiful waterfalls. Um, so we definitely have that in common. I love cycling and hiking and uh, just being outside is pretty cool. Yeah, I, I like exploring. I, you know, I'm just getting out in, and getting out in nature and exploring and, and hiking, biking, all that stuff. All of, all of the above. Just to get me outdoors. Yes, sir. Yeah, it's I enjoy the business. And, you know, I think it's great. We talked about our, our faith in Jesus before. You know, it's a great opportunity to have a ministry as well. But I certainly would rather be outside. <laughs> yeah, well, when you can do all three, uh, live out your faith in business, outdoors, uh, and being with other people, impacting other people, that's 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 about as good as you can get it, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, that's the that'd be the dream. So I'd love to hear a little bit more. Um, how much how much money have you raised at this point in your career? Um, it's all, it's, it's right about 900 million. How long have you been working on that goal? Uh, it's about eight years, right around eight years. That's awesome. What, what are some of the skills and the things that you've implemented that have made you very successful in, in raising money? Uh, for the most part, I mean, I, you know, serving the customer, uh, building trust, um, um, delivering, delivering the goods. You know, when you sit out and, and, and put out a performer or projection, um, you know, anybody can, can put it on paper. It's, it's what happens at the street level and being able to then turn around and deliver on what you projected. That's where the rubber meets the road. And so, you know, have we hit all of our performers? No, um, you know, there's um, a few times where we've raised, not often, but a few times where we've raised for development. For some reason, in my experience, development always takes longer and costs more than what you than what you thought when you started out. And so we haven't done a lot of development projects, but have we met all of our projections? No, but, uh, you know, when times, when things happen and you're able to, um communicate and you're able to tell the story about hey this is you know this is what we set out to do and this is uh how life responded or how the business community responded whatever how how circumstances uh have played out and you know as you know and as probably everybody in this show knows 
Um, you know, in the business world, not everything goes exactly how you would like some days. And uh, so, you know, not everything has gone as we projected or hoped, but when you can communicate and people know that you're out there in the trenches doing the best you can and, and fighting for them and you, you're working for a common goal, um, you know, that's, that's how you get momentum. This is a, this is a relationship business and without trust and relationship, you don't get very far in this business. Yeah, I completely agree. And, and, you know, you talked about relationships. It's just, it's so important to have that communication with people. And, you know, like you said, not everything is, is going to go as planned. And we, we know that nothing is going to go as planned oftentimes, but it's just being able to understand, you know, what, what steps can be taken and, you know, how quickly can you communicate that to the investors and, you know, just make sure that you're aligned with them and, and be able to take care of them. Yeah, hundred percent. So I know you you had several business interests before you got into real estate. What were some of the businesses that you started and why did you decide to start branching out into real estate as well? Yeah, so I was born into the modular building industry. My dad bought a manu uh, manufacturing business when I was uh, the year I was born. And so I grew up in that business and I, and I'm still involved in a couple of them. And uh, so I was, you know, on the street in my early teens uh, doing business and, you know, involved, heavily involved in our, in our family businesses. And then, you know, in my late teens, early 20s, I started kind of branching out and doing some of my own things. And I started a couple of businesses. Some of the businesses had to do with the modular building industry and, and started doing really well with a couple of those businesses. And so much so that I got myself into a real tax uh, you know, situation, I started having to pay a half million dollars a year in tax. And, and uh, I had decided early on uh, in my teen years already that I wasn't going to be a real estate investor. I watched my dad self-manage some single family homes. I decided that was not uh, going to be what I wanted. That was not what I wanted to do with my life. Right. And so I sort of went down the business uh, path. But then I realized that many of these uh, people who I was looking up to who were uh, doing things that I wanted to do and who were uh, managing their tax liability were using real estate to uh, live tax efficiently. And I wanted that. And so I really got into the real estate space because I had a tax problem. I wanted to protect myself. So the the tax benefits that you receive through real estate investing, was it the passive losses? What were some of the things that drew you to the advantages yeah well when i when i you know I, I was a student still am but i did a deep dive and and just really figured out you know sort of mapped out a path for myself and and um you know got a good really good cpa and we started working on this together and i quickly realized that if i became a real estate professional and really started making real estate you know my primary that i could you know use leverage and bonus depreciation and cost segregation studies and kind of accelerate depreciation and really use that, use that, uh, those depreciation to use those losses to offset the tax liability on my ordinary income from my active businesses. So that was a game changer. And uh, so it was really about learning and, and, and sort of charting a path uh, forward and figuring out where I wanted to go and then kind of putting a game plan around that. Yeah, that's so cool. That's an amazing story.
Um, so obviously you've been successful in business. You've been successful with several different asset classes at this point. Um, what what types of assets are you investing in in real estate these days? And you know how do you kind of decide when to make that pivot? Yeah, so um, I we, I really the the asset classes that I take out to my investor base is really just a reflection of my own portfolio, and each one of those asset classes do different things. You know, they do different things, and and one of the things I've actually fought sessions on this about you know. Uh, kind of, you know, figuring out your different income columns. Like, okay, you, you had a liquidity event in this column. So you got capital gains, you got ordinary income in this column, and you got passive income in this column. And and so figuring out, okay, you know, what does that look like on the income side? And then figuring out, okay, well, how can I, what assets can I use uh, that give me depreciation to offset those specific uh, buckets of income and and help protect or offset the tax liability on those specific buckets of income. So when I was able to figure out, okay, this asset class over here will take care of my tax liability on my um, capital gains event, the liquidity event of some kind, or this this asset class over here will take care of the, uh, the you know will shield the tax you know will shield me from the tax liability on my ordinary income. And then, you know, so each one of these asset classes has their own sort of unique features to them. And when you figure out how to pair them up with your income column, that's how you get to the point where you can quickly uh, become tax efficient. And it's, it's, it's about knowing the game, understanding the game, and then getting strategic. No different than playing whatever, football or you know, I mean, you just got to know the rules and then you then you make adjustments and, and play by the rules and use the rules to your advantage. Completely. Yeah, it's it's all about education, you know, and, and finding the right people to reach out to for questions and getting answers. Passive investors in real estate are able to receive a check every month. Some people call that mailbox money. We say money really does grow on trees. Visit the website at biggerpictureholdings.com where we have a ton of free resources to help you learn more about planting your very own money tree. So what types of things are you learning at this point in your career and how are you continuing to, to hone your expertise? Well, I'm always learning. Um, so, you know, I'm always learning there's new things coming out, you know, anytime there's a bill, there's, there's a new pit and there, where there's a new bill comes out that, you know, there's different twists and techniques and tweaks that I can make in my strategy going forward. So, you know, when we had the CARES Act come out a couple of years ago, we helped our investors uh, save millions and millions and millions of dollars in tax just by using pieces of the CARES Act and, and figuring out how to, you know, we, we taught whole sessions on this. Um, how to how to you know claw back the taxes that they had paid for five years prior to that, uh, and then putting you know depreciatable assets together to be able to do that. Um, you know the, the 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 latest one that just came out, Inflation Reduction Act. There's stuff in there. I mean, most of it's toxic, and and you know we, we all know that. But you know, be able to go in there and take what's in there and use it to um, you know use it to your advantage. I mean, it's it's really anytime there's a, a bill that comes out that's, you know, um, hundreds of billions of dollars big, there's opportunity in that bill. You don't need to like it. And, and you know, most of us don't. 
But the fact is that that, that the bill is there, and you know there's there's opportunity buried in there, and you just got to take advantage of it. So learning that kind of thing and being on top of you know different, being on top of not only rules that are changing and opportunities that are coming up. But then also, you know, navigating through these different times, you know, times when interest rates are are uh, spiraling, you know, and, you know, and when interest rates are going up and creating challenges at the same time, they're creating big opportunities. Yeah. What what are some of those opportunities that you see uh, coming up in the next uh, 12 to 18 months? Um, I believe well, a couple of things. I think there's going to be a um, buyers and sellers have their expectations. And, you know, in the last 12 months and even still today, you know, you got sellers kind of stuck in that uh, driver's seat mentality that they've been in for the last, you know, five or eight years. Um, so you get a kind of a disconnect and, and that's, that's slowly coming back into equilibrium, but you got kind of this disconnect between the buyer and the seller. Um, in the long term, the, the buyer is going to win, you know, the buyer is going to, you know, that deal has to make sense and it has to make sense at today's interest rate, at the, you know, in today's investment climate. And so, you know, those are opportunities we're looking at. We're, we're coming across opportunities that are priced better than they were six, eight, 10, 12 months ago. Uh, I think what we're going to see and we're going to be seeing more of that in the future, not less. Um, so, you know, just and then being ready, having cash available to you when an opportunity uh, comes across your desk that, uh, you know, it, it could be distressed and not that it's a bad asset. It's, you know. The, the maybe it's the financing that got put on that on that deal that made it distressed. Um, so there, there, there's lots of opportunities in the marketplace right now, and there's going to be a lot more in the next 12 months. Yeah, that's one thing that I hear over and over from a lot of different people is just the fact that it's it's time to make sure that you have a lot of liquidity and you know have a lot of cash just ready to deploy as those opportunities pop up. For sure. So, uh, in your in your best uh, estimate, what is what are some of the best ways to to find those distressed properties? Obviously, you want to continue to hone you know broker relationships, but what other uh, avenues are you using to find those deals right now? Yeah, so being being in the market, knowing the right people, uh, just being in the game, uh, relationships. This is a relationship business. So if you can if you can be in the game and have the right people around you and you know people that are connected in the space i mean you know one of the one of the advantages that we have uh here is we're not um uh, we don't we're not a single focused investment firm you know we're we're we do self-storage we do car wash we do car washes we do atms we do natural gas um but you know you know a couple of those, we're not the, we're not the operator. Um, you know, we came up with a, a, a world-class operator. And when you do that, that is their single focus. It's not our single focus. It's their single focus. And we can, when you can tap into their network and their relationships and, and, and who they are in the marketplace, I mean, that, there's power in that. Um, so, Partnering with the right people who are very well connected in the space gives us a little bit more of a, 
uh, you know, kind of a, a broader range of, um, you know, just the ability to tap into that space by making a few quick phone calls and, and tapping into uh, the real authorities in that business. That's awesome. Yeah, no, I definitely appreciate having you on. I've I've certainly uh, learned a lot. Um, so I know you also invested in some cryptocurrency as well. Um, I'd love to kind of hear your thoughts on where where crypto's at at this point. Um, well, I I believe uh, Bitcoin will be higher in the future than it than it has been in the past. And um, so, you know, I got, I take a long-term approach, the older I get, the, the more important it is to me that um, I don't need to know when it, it happens. I just need to know that it will happen. And meaning that I don't, you know, my time horizon has extended a bit. Like I don't need to have that return in 12 months. I just need to know that it's gonna happen in 36 months or 60 months, so, you know, uh, and and so yeah, I take a longer term approach to some of those things. And I just think that um, based on what I'm seeing in the market, based on uh, the number of users, based on institutional adoption, based on, you know, what I'm seeing, the, the, the institutional players and the trading desks are being set up by the big five banks. And and those are all to me bullish. So bullish signs. So. To me, it doesn't really matter if Bitcoin goes to, um, you know, 70,000 uh, next year or three years from now. I just believe that uh, there's some upside there. So, and, and really it's a protection. You know, I mean, here's the thing. Here's my take on that. When you live in a society with a, whatever, a seven or 8% inflation rate. Uh, so now you, you take that over, you know, a 10 year time horizon um, when, you know, I would much rather, um, I would much rather have they take a risk when there could be big upside with a potential for some downside than be uh, 100% in dollars where I know that we're gonna have a lot of downside. So that's not like a risk. That's not, you know, I mean, that's pretty much baked in, in stone. And so, you know, the the idea that, that I could take a risk and maybe get some downside by investing in Bitcoin or cryptocurrency or, or some of that, I mean, if you're in dollars, I mean, it's pretty much baked in the cake. So you can have it either way you want. You just don't have a ton of upside in being in dollars and where you could have some potential upside in Bitcoin. Yeah, I love that that mindset. You know, I think, you know, everything about investing, it's it's really just education and mindset, you know, flipping all these these misunderstandings and like these things that like are holding us back. You know, it's just finding the right people, learning the right things and and being able to to understand the risks involved. Yeah, no, I agree. Well, that's awesome. I've got uh just two more questions for you today, Dave. Uh, question number one is what are what are some of the lessons that you've learned along this journey and uh, any advice that you'd have for for other people looking to invest? Um, don't focus on the short term. This is a uh, marathon, not a sprint. Um, 
put more focus on the team and the quality of the team and the quality of your partners than on the uh, projections on a spreadsheet. Um, anybody can put anything they want. I used to get all excited when I'd see, you know, oh man, look at this. I'd have like five or six or 10 different deals and I'd be looking at them and like, okay, but this one has the best return. This one's going to get me the highest, you know, IRR, cash on cash return, whatever. Um, today, it's much more about uh, who cares about the pro forma. I want to know about, uh, number one, it's going to be an asset class that I believe in, that I'm bullish on. And number two, uh, it's got to be, an operations team that can execute the plan that I trust, that I love, that's on top of their game. I love doing business with eight players. So focus on the team, surround yourself with great players. Yeah, I love that. That's great advice. Uh, last question for you today is, uh, what's your proudest accomplishment so far? That could be real estate, that could be family, uh, just in general, or a mixture of multiple? Um. Probably, uh, so my, my biggest accomplishments, I would say, is when I see my children become uh, successful uh, human beings that provide value in today's society. So if I can do that well, um, where they also embrace our faith, where they go out and provide value in our society and they're not a drain on society. Um, I, I'll, I'll go with that one. Yeah, I love that. That's awesome. Well, Dave, it's been great learning from you and uh, really glad to have you on today. Thanks for having me. I enjoyed it. Like and subscribe below. A new episode will air every Tuesday at 7 a.m. Are you looking for more content? Visit our website, biggerpictureholdings.com. And remember, money really does grow on trees.